0: This morning we're going to come to the last part of the answer to the question that the disciples asked about when will the end come? When would all of these things be accomplished? When is the return of Jesus going to be? We're going to be looking at that this morning from the last section there in Mark chapter 13. We'll be reading there from verses 32. thirty-seven, Jesus finishes his answer with these words, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to all, is what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh. Uh, That line is not only the King James Version of what we just read, but it was also a line from the movie The Shawshank Redemption when Andy Dufresne, standing before the warden of Shawshank, came into his cell and saw Andy holding a Bible in his hand and was pleased that one of the cellmates, one of the prisoners there, uh, was reading the Bible, uh, to which uh, Andy promptly gave uh, a quote from it. And it was that, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. A very appropriate thing as you're there in prison, and you never know when your cell is going to be raided and turned over, and you don't know if he's going to catch you doing something that you shouldn't be doing, because in that place, in that very corrupt place, there were lots of things that were going on. A very appropriate uh, verse that uh, a prisoner used in respect to the warden coming. We're going to look at this story, but I wanna I wanna look at some of the things that are intriguing about this passage. What what things, as you read this passage, what what things did you find most intriguing today? The last thing that Jesus addresses was the first thing that the disciples asked about. Isn't that interesting? The disciples wanted to know when. When will this be? And Jesus takes all kinds of time getting around to that question. He puts the answer to that at the very end. And then after all of that time in between, also intriguing, of wanting to know when it will be, He just says, No one knows. If it was that simple of an answer, why not lead with that and then go on? No one knows. That was the answer. Twice in there he says, No one knows. Maybe what you find more intriguing uh, is when it says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels' heaven nor the sun. Jesus, referring to Himself as the Son, doesn't know when the end will be. That, I think, puzzles us. Isn't Jesus all-knowing? What does that mean? It raises questions in our mind. Did you also realize in the text here, When we know of Jesus being all-knowing, who can read the thoughts and minds and hearts of the people around Him, that that statement didn't raise even an eyebrow from what we're told here or not told here about the Son not knowing when. It didn't seem to bother the disciples. Other times, uh, Jesus perceives in their hearts what they're thinking and he addresses that because they need to know what he wants them to know. But here in this place, when Jesus says, Not even the Son knows, there's no record anywhere of that causing a problem. Doesn't that intrigue you? Uh, you and I readily have questions about that. Nothing's recorded for us here, not in any of the gospel accounts. Does that ever come up as a question? Why don't you know? Let me see if I can shed a little bit of light on those things. When Jesus is being asked the question of when, do you know? have you ever noticed how Jesus doesn't uh, always answer the way you ask the question or the way the question is asked of him? He will often uh, give a, a side door response to that because he wants you to know what's more important than what you asked. He has this wonderful, masterful way of telling you not just what is being asked, but what you need to know. That's important for us to remember. Uh, We have questions all the time. When we sit and we talk in the evening about uh, Scripture as we're going through it in a year, we have these questions. Why isn't there information about Jesus' childhood? Wouldn't that be great to know? Certainly would be. Is it important to the the mission and the cause and our life in Jesus' name? Apparently not. Or it would be in there. Scripture tells us that we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. And so the things that we don't hear about in Scripture are intriguing, but they're not important to the story for you and I. Maybe someday we'll find those things out But Jesus always tells us what we need to know. There was something uh, in Jesus' answer that was far more significant than even what was asked. The, the, The question of when was so important to the disciples. And Jesus hardly even addressed that. He did tell to watch out for certain things, but even in that, there wasn't this specific time. It will be specifically in this year or that month or in this decade. Doesn't even get close to that. He does give some markers to watch for. So he didn't answer the question of when. What he did do though is remind us of and his disciples of what they did need to know in waiting for the end. Waiting for the, the when it will be. And so by way of reminder, he says, um, don't let the natural course of this world alarm you. When you see natural disasters and famines and things like that and, and wars and kingdoms against each other, don't be alarmed by that. Those are the natural courses of a broken world. He reminds us to stand firm even when we're persecuted, whether it comes from family or in a very public manner. Stand firm all the way to the end. Be prepared for when things get really bad. When that day comes and evil is breaking loose around the world, be prepared and don't stay and think you can endure it because He said, I had to cut short those days or you wouldn't survive. But be prepared for those days. And don't let people fool you as you're waiting for the end, as you're waiting for Christ's return. Don't let people fool you into thinking that He's here already or that He's come or there He is because we won't need anybody to tell us. There isn't going to be some secret hidden way that Jesus comes in and only to this small little group of people here. This is going to be a global event and you won't need anybody to tell you. You will know. And eventually, even those that don't belong to Him will have figured out that it's Him. All these things Jesus tells us and reminds us as a way of preparing for when He comes back. And those things are more important than when. They're always more important than when. You and I, the character that we have, the, the, our, our mission in this world is, is more important than when because if we knew the when, um, if you would be like me, I would wait until close to the end to really get serious about it. I don't know why God has left my procrastination nature uh, in me but He redeems that. And so, because I don't know the end, you and I are always supposed to be prepared, always supposed to be ready, always supposed to be watching. But that question of, why doesn't Jesus know? Why, why does it say that? Concerning that day, not, not some of the other days that were talked about, but that day, that end day, when when the end of this world happens, when that day comes, why does it say the Son doesn't know? That has theological uh, implications that uh, people have been scratching their head over for, for years. Is He all-knowing or not? If He's equal to the Father as it says in His Word, then why doesn't He know? We know God is the omniscient. He knows everything. And if Jesus is on par with God, why doesn't he know? We do know that uh, Jesus on the earth was both fully human and both fully God. We also know in that understanding that Jesus also set things aside. Uh, He came from this glorious presence outside of this world as he existed for all eternity with the Father and the Spirit. And he set that aside to become like one of us. So while he is still that glorious king, he is still that glorious God in the flesh, he set that aside. Is it possible he set aside some of his knowledge? He learned from his parents as he grew up. He learned obedience to them. Is it possible that there were some things on this earth that were not His to know yet? We can wonder about those things. Uh, We can maybe try to dissect some of the different verses and see if maybe that's the case, but it still leaves us scratching our heads. I think there's something even deeper than that going on in this text and in other texts that feed into this that his disciples, I think, probably would have fully understood and so it didn't even raise a question for them. There's something about what they know from their culture that when he said this, it didn't bother them. It didn't raise some theological question for them because he was painting a picture of something more than what we would see at first glance here. But, That's a sermon for another time. So what is the main point of these six verses? Stay awake. I probably just woke a few people up. That's what it is though. Stay awake. That's the the main point of these six verses. Verse 33 says, Be on your guard. Keep awake. The end of verse 34 Stay awake. The beginning of 35. Stay awake. The end of 37. Stay awake. So what's the point of this? Stay awake. We, we get so caught up at times in some of the things that are not the main point that we can miss it at times. As much as I would like to know completely why Jesus doesn't know or why he says that, I don't want to miss the very clear things that he says here, and that's to stay awake. Are we supposed to be insomniacs? Uh, You should stay. Did you see when it says to stay awake? Uh, In the evening, or in the at midnight. When the rooster crows, or in the morning, that would be the four watches of the night, beginning at 6 p.m. in the evening, until the rooster crows, or in the morning, in the morning, a uh, rooster would crow earlier, in the morning, from some, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's the time that he's talking about. That's when you and I kind of finish up our day and check out. Jesus says, stay awake. Do we have our days and nights mixed up? Are we supposed to be awake all the time? That's not very practical, is it? We can't continue to just be awake at all times. There's rest we need. We're not supposed to be insomniacs. Are we supposed to drop everything that we do and just sit by the door, that proverbial door, and just keep watching? That's not it. That's not what Jesus is talking about. It isn't just a matter of of sitting there and waiting. That's not what staying awake is. It's not that we're supposed to be insomniacs. We're not just supposed to sit there. Uh, Maybe the question we need to be asking ourselves is not one of those two things, but um, do you know that Jesus is coming back? I think we would all say yes. Uh, or maybe this way, are you expecting Jesus to come back? I, I believe it to be true, but am I, am I actually expecting it? Do I, do I live in expectation of that? Um, maybe, maybe that's more the direct way to say that. Um, are you living in such a way that you are expecting Jesus' return? When Jesus says, stay awake, there's something about that that's at the heart of this. Are we living in such a way? Are we awake in that way that our lives would reflect that we're expecting Him to return? Jesus says it's like a a man who's going on a journey and leaves his servants Uh, Puts his servants in charge, each one with his work. Everyone has their work. And then he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Mark's account here of this uh, dialogue that Jesus is having here with his disciples, Mark's account here is very short. On this particular thing, if you would go back to Matthew's account of what Jesus is saying there, you get a little bit of a fuller picture about what it means to stay awake. He speaks to them about the the parable of the ten virgins. It reminds them to be to be ready, to be to be awake, to be waiting for that return in, in, a, in a a tangible, expectant expectant way. Uh, not not uh, being unprepared like five of them were, but being prepared like the other five were and had oil in their lamps yet, waiting, expecting that day and making sure they have what they need to live on until that day comes. The five foolish ones were not that prepared and they wanted to borrow from what the others had so that they could be ready, but that's not the way the kingdom works. You don't borrow uh, readiness from people. And if you remember that the the oil in the in the Old Testament is often that that symbol of the the Holy Spirit in your life you don't you don't borrow the Holy Spirit to be ready from somebody else you have it or you don't They were all expecting that they would go in but only five were actually prepared And then Matthew's account he talks about the the parable of the talents and where that the same idea is like the man going on a journey and he leaves with his his, uh, servants things to take care of. So I gave uh, one man this amount of things to take care of and I I gave another one this amount and the third one I gave this amount and I expected them all to, to be working with those things until he comes back. And yet, only two of them were actually living in such a way where they were expecting His return and were doing something about it. The third one took what He had been given and when the Master came back, He said, here, you can take it back. He was unfaithful in His waiting, in staying awake. He didn't do anything with it. Matthew gives us this greater insight There's work that needs to be accomplished that Jesus is talking about here, leaving with his servants uh, the authority that they need to do to carry out the work and then to be found faithful in the task that he gives each of us. That's something for us to wrestle with. Every one of us has been given a task for the kingdom, each one of us has a place in the kingdom. That's why in Scripture it says, the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We all have a function and a purpose. But maybe I wonder if sometimes in our our culture, uh, in today's world, um, maybe in Western Christianity here, uh, we don't say, uh, I don't need your help in the kingdom, but maybe where we come from is we say, you don't need my help. Somebody else can take care of that. I don't have a a, a a function anymore. I don't I don't have anything to do. I don't need to be doing anything anymore. And that wouldn't be true either. Each one of us has a task. Each one of us needs to be ready. Each one of us needs to stay awake and keep carrying on the task that God has given to each of us. Some of those are very clear in His Word. Others are maybe more specific to you and the way God has designed you and the the gifts and the abilities, uh, the characteristics and the personality that you have that will be used for His kingdom. What is some of that work? Matthew would also go on to say uh, in uh, chapter 25, I was hungry. When when Jesus is talking about... Um, When he comes back and how he's going to analyze who's been faithful, he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. What we were left to do, Jesus will take an account of to see what we did. And even though both those that were faithful and unfaithful saw the same people, uh, one group, the righteous group, did something with what they saw and the unrighteous didn't do it. Not even realizing that it was Jesus for whom they were doing it. So the work we have yet is to take care of those who are hungry and thirsty. Those that are sick yet And need somebody to come along and visit them. To find the one who seems to be the outcast in society. That that stranger. Maybe even the stranger among us. And welcome them in. Using the gift of hospitality that we all need to practice. And those that are in prison. And all of these things Uh, both the tangible and just what it says and also the spiritual aspect of this. Not only the hungry and the thirsty and the ones that don't have adequate clothing in the real sense of those words, but also the one that still hungers for what is right and true. The thirsty one who just can't seem to get satisfied with anything that this world has to offer and has no Righteous covering of their own. Watching for those people, interacting with those people, those that are sick and still oppressed by the things of this world and those that are locked in prisons, not in a jail cell someplace, but still imprisoned by the the prince of this world who would try to do everything he can to keep people lulled into sleeping and forgetting about what is right and true and real. Jesus said in verse 36 of our text, lest He suddenly come and find you sleeping. What would that look like for you and I if if He came and He found us sleeping? I remember a day uh, back when I was doing uh, lawn maintenance and landscaping. I was... uh, working with this other guy. He was a little bit older than I was. He was the crew leader at that time. And uh, we were we were at a house, and it was lunchtime. It was hot. We were tired. Uh, so we had our lunch, and we both uh, kicked back in the seat for a while. And before we knew it, an hour and a half had passed. Now, if the boss would have come and found us sleeping at one thirty yet in the afternoon... That would have been a problem. We're there on His dime to accomplish what He wants us to do, and there we are, sleeping in His truck. That would not be good. The same idea applies here. We have been given tasks by the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the, the God of the whole universe, that's given to us to accomplish work in His kingdom, to perpetuate what Jesus left on this earth with His disciples and now us, His disciples. And what a terrible thing it would be to be found sleeping when He comes. Not doing what we're supposed to, but just we fell asleep. There was a story that I heard recently about an an immigrant couple that came from an oppressive uh, country. I don't remember if it was Iran or not, but uh, a country where they were constantly being oppressed, persecuted for their faith. So they they came to the United States as immigrants here to flee from that and spent a number of years here in the United States until one day the wife said to the husband, I want to go back. Back? You want to go back to that? She says, yes, you know what I've realized here in her time in the United States is that there is a satanic lullaby that's happening and people don't even recognize that they're falling asleep when it comes to the kingdom. That made me sit up and take notice that maybe those kinds of things are really happening here and those are the things we need to watch out for. There is that task of the doorkeeper in the story here to make sure that nobody creeps in and tries to change your way of thinking about what we're supposed to be doing. Scripture says to watch out for the wolf in sheep's clothing that will come in and try to lead you astray. The devil would be so happy if we could just uh, lose sight of what we're supposed to do. Just not pay attention to things anymore when it comes to the kingdom. Just focus on the stuff in the world without bringing God's plan and purpose into it and the work He's left for us to do. That's the task of the doorkeeper. Jesus gives us a clear command here uh, in this little section about what it means To stay awake. Don't focus on when he's coming. He clearly says, No one knows. Stay awake and keep going in the task he has left you until his return. Our work is not finished until that day. Guard the door. And don't let anyone in that does not belong in his house. Guard that door and make sure nobody changes your mind about the mission at hand. And what Jesus said to his disciples, he says to us, Stay awake, brothers and sisters, and don't get caught sleeping. Let's pray. Father, there truly is no greater joy in this world than to accomplish what you have given us to do. What a privilege we would consider it to be to to work for a notable person here in this this world. Whether it's a uh, highly recognized business owner or a political person or uh, a, a president or a king or we would count it such a great privilege to be Working with somebody like that. But there is really no greater joy that we could have in this world or in the world to come than to be on task with the One who set us free from all the things that this world tries to uh, trap us with. To work for the One who shed His blood so that we would be set free from sin and the things that entangle us to keep us from realizing our full mission for your kingdom. So Father, help us to stay awake, to keep going with the tasks that you give us, to keep doing those things that you've always called us to do. As James would say, to take care of the orphan and the widow and to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world falling into that satanic lullaby. Encourage us when, when the task seems difficult. Remind us to, to pay attention, to be on our guard and to stay awake because we don't know, but, but we do expect You to return. We do expect Jesus to come and to uh, bring His kingdom here and to set us free once and for all. And may Jesus, may You find us faithful when that day comes. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that You would empower us, equip us and enable us, sanctify us, prune away all those places yet that stand in the way of accomplishing the task that You have given us. Remove all those things from us that would cause us to be drowsy in our walk. And may Your kingdom come. And may Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We submit ourselves to You once again today. In Jesus' name, Amen.